Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your protection. We thank you for your provision in our life. We thank you, Lord. We love you. We will praise you as long as we live. And we will glorify your name. Father, as this morning we want to learn about marriage life, we pray that every one of us, we will glorify your name before we get married and in our marriage life. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. We honor you and we love you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Good, good morning, everyone, and good morning who are watching right now online. So, this morning, towards the end of 2021, because we were in lockdown for two years, and many people, we are still disappointed because we expect this year is better than last year. But this year is worse than last year, the lockdown. So we talk about marriage. There are a lot of marriage trouble around now during the lockdown. Now let us read about, uh, let us read Genesis chapter 2, verse 21 to 24. Every time I talk about marriage, I have to uh, read these verses to, to refresh our memory again about marriage. So Genesis chapter 2, verse 21 to 24. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God met a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall call woman, for she was taken out of a man. That is why a man leaves his father and his mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. So Genesis is talking about the wedding or the marriage of Adam and Eve. And God the Father uh, bring the bride Eve to the bridegroom, that is Adam. So when in Genesis, uh, we learn about the fall of a human being. The first time sin come into this world. Without we realize or not, the enemy aim to attack the marriage. Because this, when we talk about the fall, the enemy attack the marriage of Adam and Eve. So now we'll continue. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 to 26. 
Paul compares a husband and wife relationship to the Christ and his church relationship. Let us read, uh, let me read chapter 5, 21 to 29. Submit to one another out of reference of Christ, for Christ. Wife, submit yourself to your own husband as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submit to the Christ, so also wives should submit to their husband in everything. Verse 25, husbands, love your wife. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husband ought to love their wife as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 30 and 31. For we are members of this body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. Now, Genesis chapter 2 and 24, uh, verse 24, it says that a man shall leave his father and his mother and to be united with his wife, so they become one flesh. What it means? This means that a man should take an initiative to move toward her wife embracing her wife to his heart and to born together. Now, in Ephesians, Paul adds that Christ's love make this bond, this one flesh possible. And uh, also, uh, Paul says, because of the love of Christ, we can submit to an imperfect human beings as our husband and our wives because of uh, Christ, uh, because of the Christ uh, of the love of Christ. So when we talk about Adam and Eve's marriage, why they can allow sin come into their life because they fail to build one flesh. Union. When the snake came to Eve and promote the fruit, Eve had desired to eat the fruit. And she gave it to Adam. And Adam was urged to eat the fruit. Why it can happen? Because of the failure of one flesh union in their marriage. Now, how does a man and woman become one 
in marriage. How do a man and a woman become soul mates? This is what we want to. Uh, I want to share this morning. How husband and wife become soul mates? Marriage is the closer nature of God than any other human experience. God uses the metaphor of marriage to describe his relationship with us human. He is the bridegroom and we all, the church, we is his bride. And Paul says in Ephesians, when God say he loved the church, he see us, the church, as the extension of his own body. So, the same way, we, when a husband loves his wife or a wife loves his husband, they see each other as the extensions of themselves. This is one flesh union or soul mates. I hope we all understand this. Now, uh, like we all, uh, the psychologue described this and we all experience, there is something deep in our soul, deep in our heart that we cannot describe. That is like an empty space deep in our heart. There's something missing, uh, restless or aching deep down in our heart. And that cannot be satisfied. And most people expect marriage to satisfy their longing soul. And it often does just for a time. Some couple feel they are very much in love. But they feel their relationships are empty. In fact, what happened? They desire to be a soulmate. They long for meaning in their relationship. Now we learn about John. John chapter 4, there is an event of sexual, uh, a sexual sin or a human, a Samaritan human, uh, woman. And when Jesus sat at the Jacob's well, Jesus saw a woman coming to throw water. And then Jesus had conversation with this woman and he offered her the living water. And this woman, this Samaritan woman was very excited. So Jesus said to this woman, call your husband and come here. And the woman said, I don't have any husband, sir. And the, Jesus replied, you are right. You have had five husbands. And now the one who, live, the one who you live with is not your husband. And we, when we read this story, this woman has had five husbands, five failed marriages. And now she lived together with her boyfriend. 
this woman move from one bad relationship to another, from one bad to another bad, and his thirst was never quenched or satisfied. So because of our sin, we like this Samaritan woman. We are thirsting for something, some experience, some person, some position that we think this all can satisfy our soul. Yet it leaves us empty and longing for more. Scientific research has confirmed, just scientific, confirmed that nurturing the spiritual dimension of marriage would unite couple in an unbreakable bond. This is any religion because this is scientific research. And it has been proved that religion provides couple with a shared sense of value, ideology, and purpose, and that strengthens their partnership, strengthens their partnership. Marriage thrives when its soul is nourished or nurtured. Since we know that marriage is created by God, and holy matrimony is a supernatural event. Therefore, a marriage couple should have a spiritual meaning, spiritual commitment together. While individual comes to understand his life or her life meaning alone, but as husband and wife, we have to discover our life meaning together. When you are married, you have given birth a marriage that is like a living being born from a husband and a wife. And that soul of your marriage need to be fed or nourished or nurtured in order to grow. The spiritual dimension or spiritual commitment of marriage is a source of food for marital growth and health and it would satisfy your soul, the hunger of our soul. And there is no other factor to nurture oneness and meaning in marriage than a shared spiritual commitment. When researchers examine the characteristic of happy couples, research had to some survey of the, uh, they, they said uh, the characteristic of happy couples, and who had married for more than two decades they found one of the most important quality was faith in God and spiritual commitment. So maybe we come to understand a bit about marriage. Now, through marriage, God showed himself two important ways by revealing his faithfulness and his forgiveness. I think these two factors is very, are very important in any marriage. Faithfulness and forgiveness. 
So, marriage reveals God's faithfulness. Faithfulness, when we talk about faithfulness, faithfulness is a combination of trust, commitment, truth, loyalty, valuing, and care. I think everyone who are married who want this quality in their marriage. Faithfulness is in marriage can only be sustained by God's model of faithfulness to us. Now, John recorded special event. John chapter 4, we, have, uh, we had talked about a Samaritan woman. And John chapter 8, about the, uh, Jesus deals, how Jesus deals with an uh, adulterous woman. And both involve sexual sin. Before we continue with the faithfulness in marriage, we have to talk about what is unfaithfulness according to the Bible. Let us read 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 16 to 20. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute become one body with her? For it is written, the two will become one flesh, but he who is joined to the Lord become one one spirit with him, free from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but sexual, sexually immoral person sin against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Or another translation said, glorify, glorify God with your body. So let me explain. When any woman and any man have physical relation, they become one flesh, whether they are under the covenant of marriage or not under the covenant of marriage, a man and woman have physical relation, they become one flesh. Now, Paul uh, compared it with the one spirit because for Paul, one flesh is equal one spirit. When we receive Jesus, as our Savior, the Bible says, Holy Spirit dwells in us, in our body. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and Holy Spirit makes our body his home. This is one spirit union with Christ. Now Paul says, any other sin, whether you're stealing, you're lying, or you kill, any sin you commit is outside your body. But sexual sin, we commit against our own body. Because our body is the temple of the, of the Holy Spirit. We defile our own body with sexual sin. And we violate 
the one spirit union with Christ. This is what Paul says. This is unfaithfulness in marriage. Now we continue. A marriage is not a joining of two words. Every one of us think, if I marry this girl, I marry this man, we become one world. No. When we talk about marriage, marriage is an abandoning, abandoning of two words in order one new word to be formed. When Jesus says, to love others as we love ourselves, this experience becomes very radical in a marriage. We can pretend to love other people, but we cannot pretend in our marriage. For example, 10 or 20 years ago, I can't remember, long times ago, I counsel a couple. The husband and the wife has age difference about 25 to 30 years old. And they fought when the husband was angry to the wife. He said, even my mother cannot tell me what to do. And I said to the husband, I'm sorry, sir. Unfortunately, you did not marry your mother. <laughs> so marriage is abandoning of two words in order one word to be formed. And some couples say, I have 50-50 marriage. What that mean, 50-50 marriage? 50-50 uh, marriage is that they split the resources. They count on uh, their privilege. The husband says, I brought home money. You have to do the housework, taking care of the children. And the wife said to the husband, because I earn more than you, you have to do the shopping. This is 50-50 marriage. We split everything in marriage. And it won't happen in our marriage. It won't sustain the marriage because we all not a fraction. We are all a whole person. So we want to be loved as a whole person. Nobody won't be loved as only 50%, I think. So every one of us <clears throat> carries a package of our past. We have carried our package in our past. So it must be resolved before God so that we can enter the commitment of marriage with faithfulness. Now we look back at the, this Samaritan woman. This Samaritan woman, the Bible says, when Jesus sat at Jacob's well, it was noon. It was noon when Jesus met this lady, this Samaritan woman coming to draw water. It was noon. 
why the people say it was known at that time. The culture, the custom, all the women throw water in the morning and they finish before noon. And this woman came to throw water at noon. And when uh, she met Jesus, this woman had five failed marriages. And now she lived with her boyfriend without marriage. Now, the custom in ancient history, we cannot live with other men or other women without covenant of marriage. And when it's different, like today, today we can do anything we want. This woman lived with her boyfriend without marriage and make her an object of gossip, of course. And she felt of God guilt and shame, condemnation, hopeless pain and hurt when she met Jesus. Now when we uh, read in John chapter 4, our Jesus is a loving, loving God, is a loving Jesus. Even though Jesus is against divorce, she has never condemned anyone, including this Samaritan woman. That's why we come here to worship our loving Jesus. And sin leads us, like the Samaritan woman, leads us to pursue happiness in something other than God. And sin produces an increasing craving for a dying pleasure. And you have never satisfied. Jesus offered this Samaritan woman the living water. Him, himself. If the Samaritan woman turned to Jesus and take one sip of the living water, her thirst will be quenched. And the promise continues, not only her thirst is quenched, but she will always have access to this living water. The living water becomes a spring of water. This is what we all need in our marriage life. So this offer is also for us. Once we turn to Jesus and discover in him the fulfilling, satisfying source of our spiritual food, we can drink again and again. Because the spring always flow so that we will be able to abandon our attempt to find satisfaction other than God. To commit oneself to another in love, even till death, this step cannot be taken without the grace and the love of God. There are no lasting marriage or faithfulness in marriage without the continuous touch of his grace. When a man and woman make a covenant with one another, God promises his faithfulness to them so that that helps the couple to keep the faith and make 
home for her troubled heart. Now we continue uh, about the uh, um, faithfulness in marriage. If I ask some of uh, all of you, do you want married to someone? If he or she make a vow like this, I'll try to be true to you, but don't count on me. Do you want to marry someone like this? Or if someone make a vow like this, I commit to you as long as I love you. Even anyone who don't know Christ, they don't want to marry a man or a woman make a vow like this. And people make a vow, I commit myself to you through thick to thin. For sickness, uh, uh, for riches, for, uh, for poor, in sickness and in health. Even though they don't mean what they say, they say it so that they get married. Otherwise, uh, they won't get married. Now, faithfulness produces trust. Without faithfulness and trust, marriage would have no hope. Why we need faithfulness in our marriage? When we're getting old, our body figure change. Uh, we have a lot of wrinkle. Our appearance change, whether we want or not. That's why we need faithfulness in our marriage. For no couple can achieve deep confidence in the loyalty of themselves or, or each other until they first experience God's faithfulness personally. Now, marriage reveals God's forgiveness. We need all we need forgiveness in our life. Other than this, we will be separated. Forgiveness lies in the heart of marriage. Marriage is the closest bond between two human beings that exist the bond of parent and child or even friendship. It's the closest bond in this world. Intimacy is very intimidating to this world. We all experience the more we get close to someone, the deeper the moral condemnation and rejection come with it. I think we all agree with this. Human long for intimacy with one another, but sin has prevented it. When God draw a woman and a man together in marriage, other than he gave his faithfulness, he also gave his love to them. This is the only thing that can protect them through the intense experience of fear of condemnation and rejection in marriage. This fear can only be conquered by the love of God. If forgiveness is not given to cleanse the marriage soul, then pain, condemnation, and resentment will fill it. We remember Job says, Job chapter 1, verse 20, one says, the Lord give and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Merit is both giving and taking away. 
And what is giving in marriage? The love of another human being. And what is taking away? The entire freedom to think and to act as an independent person. We all have to realize when we want to get married, we have to give up our entire freedom to think and to act as an independent person. If we choose our match in merit, it means that we take another person to ourselves and give up ourselves for another person. We all, as we know, we have a built-in self-centeredness. And marriage challenges us to abandon everything for the sake of love. Selfish motive, our pride, uh, we want always in our own ways that must be give up. In marriage, as the Lord has planned to help men and women to humble themselves and to surrender their will, this is God's plan in marriage, to humble us. Nothing like the experience of being humbled by the same person day in and day out. It can be very exhausting without forgiveness. I think we all who are married agree with me. Most people do not realize that this is what they are signing up for when they get married. An agreement of a willing compliance both with God and with another person. Intimacy is the greatest blessing in marriage, but it is also the greatest source of stress. As Proverbs say, as iron sharpen iron, so one person sharpens another. And this saying is nowhere more suitable than in a marriage. This is painful to be sharpened. Marriage, even in the best circumstances, is a crisis. One of the major crises of life. Whether it turns out to be a healthy, challenging, or constructive uh, crisis, or a nightmare that is dependent on how far we want to be changed by God. Marriage is risking our identity because we give ourselves to someone entirely different than us. And love attack and destroy our pride. Therefore, every couple need to forgive. The power to love flow from the knowledge that we are loved by God and we are able to forgive because we are forgiven by God. Jeremy Tyler, a writer, say that a husband must learn to tolerate his wife's infirmity, infirmity, her weakness, her sin, because in doing so, he either cures her or makes himself better. When we forgive our partner, we reveal God's love and God's forgiveness. And my definition, to fall in love mean to have revelation from God. 
well, many marriages made minutes to last without a conscious reliance on God. There are no meaningful partnership or marriage without the continuous touch of God's grace on the soul of our marriage. Now, three, before we uh, finish, three disciplines we can nurture our marriage soul. Because as I said, there is deep in our heart, deep down in our heart is a longing, an aching place, and uh, the psychologue can also prove this is a longing that cannot be satisfied because we are created like this. And this spot deep down in our heart, God reserved for him alone. No one else can love us as he does. No one else can be our friend as God is. Three disciplines we need to to uh, to do or to work out in our marriage. First one, worship. A study show that couple who attend church together even once a month increase their chance of staying married for life. Worship together as husband and wife. And study have also shown that churchgoers feel better about their marriage than who do not worship together. When we worship together in church, we get spiritual refueling, social support, and God's transforming power change our heart and make us grow and enlarge our capacity to love. Number two, serve the Lord together. When we're reaching out to someone in discipleship as husband and wife, it promotes Humility, sharing compassion, and it, of course, increase our intimacy in marriage. Number three, prayer. Sociologist Andrew Greeley surveyed married people and found that the happiest couple were those who pray together. I think most people don't like prayer, but prayer can you can make your marriage happy. A, a couple who fre frequently pray together, they report they are highly romantic, or more romantic at least. They also report they have highly physical satisfaction as husband and wife. This is according to the report. So my conclusion, as husband and wife, worship together. Serve the Lord together and pray together. They nurture the soul of their marriage and find meaning in their marriage. So your one flesh is called soul mate. So God bless you.